Hello and welcome to MASH Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, hello. Uh, I always say that. I think it always sounds <laughs> awkward. I apologize it's to okay. all our viewers. It's... I'm just an awkward man. <laughs> viewers of the um, podcast? Viewers of our whoa. podcast? <laughs> all the listeners, excuse me. <laughs> So, Vanessa, today's episode somewhat involves dogs, so this seems like a good excuse <laughs> to talk about our dogs that we have. Yay! So, tell me all about your dog named Sydney, who may or may not be named after the MASH character <laughs> of Sydney Freeman. So, my Sydney is not named after Sydney Friedman. It just happens to be a very funny coincidence. Um, so the story of how I got Sydney is really funny. I'll tell kind of an abridged story. I may have told this story potentially on the podcast at some point, but like my sister just like randomly brought home a dog and my parents were so against dogs for like our entire lives. And then my sister was like, I want a dog. So I'm getting a dog. And that's how we ended up with my Sydney. She is an Australian cattle dog. She is the cutest girl in the world. Um, I was also not a dog person until I got this dog, which I feel like is a lot of the times how it happens. So that was fun. But yeah, I love her. Would die for her. That's it. <laughs> She's so cute. She's basically blue, which is great. We love a blue dog in this blue house. Blue healer. Um, my dog has a similar story. Our dog, Opal, uh, my sister just got her uh, because she really, really, really wanted a dog and said, <laughs> I'm either having a dog or having a baby. So oh. pick the dog, please. <laughs> oh, my uh, yeah, gosh. It was, it was that kind of mood she was in. Um, and, you know, we've had her for a good long time now. She's getting a little up there in age, which is, <laughs> which is a little freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. That kind of stresses me out just existentially. But, you know, she's still a good pup. And then my other dog, Ruby, my dad came over one day and was like, hey, this bar is hosting like a dog adoption event. Do you guys want to <laughs> go? And I was like, no, because if I go, I'm going to want a dog. And he was like, well, we're not going to get a dog. And then he took my sister and brother to that event saying, we're not going to get a dog. And then they got a dog. So that was a beautiful day. <laughs> The funny story about Ruby, too, like, I almost fell in love with dogs when Ruby was a puppy because I was over <laughs> at your house, remember? I tell the story all the time to you, so of course you remember. But I was over at your house, and Ruby was a puppy, so she was sleeping a lot, and she just climbed up into my lap and fell asleep for hours. And I was like, oh my god, I love this puppy so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, she still knows you. Whenever you come over, she's very excited about it. That makes me so happy. Um, she always pees when she sees me, and I get so happy because I'm like, wow. <laughs> None of my friends pee when they see me. What are you doing, Ethan? Why don't you pee your pants every time we see yeah. each other? <laughs> I had to step up my game. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this episode. In this episode, Mad Dogs and Servicemen, Hawkeye tries to provide psychiatric help to a young man who is paralyzed without injury. Meanwhile, Radar is treated for the possibility of rabies after being bit by a dog at the camp. Vanessa, what did you think of this episode? So I really liked this episode. It was not without its issues, I think, just like kind of plot-wise, there were certain things that I didn't like about the episode, just like, I guess, you know, from a 
21st century standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. But I do think that this was like a pretty standout episode. I I really liked what they did with the characters. I loved the character of the uh, injured yet not injured soldier. The psychology aspect of it was great to me. Um, Margaret's character. uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more, but Margaret was great in this episode. I don't know. I just I don't think it was without problems, but it was certainly a really good watch for me. Yes, I agree. Some parts of this episode, like it has context, right? Like everything makes sense with what they're doing and like what their viewpoint of psychology is at this time. Mm -hmm. But I will be honest how the psychological stuff uh, is handled, like how the treatment was for some of it did make me like uncomfortable yeah. as like a disabled person. I was like, you should not treat someone like this. But internal logic of the episode, I was like, this does make sense and like is good in its own terms once the episode is over. I really like this one as well, despite some issues that we will talk about. I like that it is a more um, medical episode than we've had recently. Mm-hmm. Um, This was a very hospital doctor focused episode which i really like i like the uh the broadness that the show can do the military stuff and the doctor stuff and i like this as a doctor stuff episode even with radar's plot it's doctor stuff which is fun and uh radar's plot was like an interesting counterpoint and like you said i think this might be one of margaret's best moments in the series so far mm-hmm. i really liked her in this episode we'll talk about it but For now, let's talk about the opening scene where Radar is kind of with this like little little farm he's developed (laughs) with a a bunch of animals like around camp. I'm not sure like where he's got them, just maybe strays and whatnot. But he's like feeding, I think like rabbits, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I I forget what the specific was, but he was putting like milk into a glove to feed them, which was like very cute. And then uh, apparently gets bit by a dog. And that just triggers this whole uh, cascade of events. And I, I like this scene. I like this different side of, of camp for Radar that we haven't really seen so far. Yeah, it's funny because I think that this is the... F- right? We haven't seen this before where Radar like takes care of animals around the camp because... That is um, continuing after this episode. Like it's That's not, nice to see. yeah, it's not in every episode or anything like that. But it is more so in like the rest of this series that Radar just like has a bunch of these little pets. Like he has rabbits and guinea pigs, and he was actually taking care of like raccoons and skunks too. Where I was like, yeah. oh my, that's uh, wow, okay. Well, there's a reason why we feared rabies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they were supposed to be like babies but clearly they were not like baby raccoons or skunks so like i guess like in the context of the show it was supposed to be like oh they were little so of course they like didn't know about human interaction but they were fully grown skunks and raccoons and it was pretty funny to see yeah um i i like this a lot i like this going to continue because i like any confirmation that radar is a sweet young man (laughs) And him taking care of a bunch of baby animals is just a delightful thing for him to have. Yeah, like, honestly, it's such a central part of Radar's character for me, having watched the show so many times. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this wasn't in the rest of the show up to this point where, like, Radar's taking care of these animals. So it it's really nice to, like, have it introduced into the series. 
But I also wanted to put out a PSA out there because Radar had, you know, the dog bite on his hand and he told Hawkeye, oh, I was playing around with the dog and it bit me. And I'm like, this is a PSA. Don't play with dogs with your hands. They will bite. It doesn't teach them (laughs) good things. You don't want dogs to bite hands. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta train them well. You gotta play with them right. Um, <laughs> and if the, you're in Korea and don't know this dog, it might have rabies. Yeah. So that's not a good thing. <laughs> but counterpoint to this very sweet opening scene with Radar and these animals is the triage scene, which we've got a lot more of lately. They they didn't really do triage too much in like mm-hmm. season one and two. This is like the triage season triage season to me and every time it is so harsh just triage seems like such a bad environment to be in everyone is always screaming and so hostile and like everybody always believes that you're not actually injured or what like it always seems (laughs) like a bad time yeah i said last episode that i really liked the triage scenes on the bus i don't know i like i kind of like it for all the reasons that you say it's very chaotic i like that chaos. oh yeah i'm not saying that i dislike it i'm just right. saying like this is a rough environment <laughs> yeah like objectively seems like a bad place to be if you're like actually sick and in need of care um but i thought that the shot too of frank and trapper in the triage bus was really well done because it kind of showed you how cramped it was supposed to be so i really liked this shot and this scene yes and frank and trapper really go at it in this one they they, they, like it's a harsh fight that they have and the way that this conflict is introduced with this uh, soldier who is paralyzed but with no visible injuries I thought was really interesting because Frank like wants to send him to uh to Tokyo for like recovery basically and Hawkeye and Trapper are like no 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 you need to keep him here we need to kind of take care of him and in terms of medical analysis like Frank is kind of the right one in this scenario like yeah he should be going to Tokyo uh, and they have a whole conversation about how shell shock is outdated. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting, especially considering the period piece aspect of it. Like World War Two was only 10 or so years ago. Um, they talk about how World War Two is like a dated concept. So I thought that was really interesting. And then just everything with this young man was very interesting in terms of the Frank Hawkeye conflict because it is kind of reversed here in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had the exact same thoughts actually that you did. Um, first, I thought it was pretty interesting that Frank was kind of like objectively right in the medical situation. Like none of the doctors or nurses there are really trained in, you know, the art, I guess, of psychiatry. So objectively, he should be sent to somewhere with better medical support for what he needs. And they even try to get Sydney to the 4077 because they're not, you know, specialized in psychiatry. And I did think that it was a pretty interesting choice for the writers to try to, like, drive home the point that shell-shocked is not necessarily, like, a thing, you know, in in those terms of just, like, oh, they're just shell-shocked kind of aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's not really how it is or how it was 
or how it actually is now, if that makes sense. So yeah, I liked this whole scene and I liked how Trapper was so mad at Frank when he was like, yeah, he's just a Looney Tune or whatever he said. Yes, this whole plot line was just a really interesting handling of psychological trauma. I don't know if they handled it super well, but you have to give them like, it was the 70s when they're writing this and Mm -hmm. they're writing from the perspective of 50s doctors. So like the the medical field, the psychiatric field always advances. So it's like hard to criticize how they handled psychiatric evaluation in this show because just how things have changed over time. Um, and I really like how they try to bring in Sidney Friedman and mm-hmm. they call him explicitly, but he's not in the episode because just normally with like sitcoms like this, if you bring up a character like Sydney, he's going to be in the episode. They don't tend to name drop characters like this and like mm-hmm. have them not appear. But having him not appear uh, just makes the world feel a lot more like real and lived in. Like Sydney exists when he's not here. And that's something that I really like in my TV shows and movies when a character has like real presence beyond what they're shown on screen, which some shows, you don't get that at all. Like, if there are some shows where a character like Sidney Freeman, if he's not in the episode, they don't know that he exists. Yeah, I liked that too. Obviously, it was probably more of a thing where, like, oh, they couldn't get Alan Arbus to be there at that time to film. But I do agree with you that that was a choice that was pretty interesting especially for the time period like you don't always get that with shows even today so i i agree with you that it kind of just was a a nice like world building thing almost um Mm -hmm. i also wanted to mention too that just like the mental health aspect of this i think this was um probably pretty groundbreaking for the time too i mean sydney friedman we've seen him before you know he was more of in a funny context and like psychology and psychiatry in general was mostly brought up i feel for comedic purposes in the past but i think that in this episode having it be pretty serious was probably something that a lot of the times the audience at home wouldn't see and i think that that is probably a direct reflection of the vietnam war addressing Mm -hmm. the ptsd crisis basically that happened after and during vietnam with the veterans coming home very much affected by PTSD. And so I really liked that it was addressed in the show. And like we even said with Trapper saying, yeah, it's not called shell-shocked anymore. And I don't even think that it was necessarily called PTSD back then. Um, I don't think it was. No, it was. I'll talk about this a little bit in trivia, but it wasn't until like 1980, I think, that really post-traumatic stress disorder became the label for what was happening with these soldiers coming back from war. Um, It was called like mostly like battle fatigue after uh, shell-shocked kind of Mm -hmm. like fell out of favor. So yeah, so I I just, I really appreciated that aspect of this episode too. Yeah, um, I guess we should talk more about what this soldier his like trauma is right so i don't know if we've made this clear yet so in this episode this character corporal travis has memories of tanks just approaching and then he has no memory after that or he won't 
tell the uh, camp what he saw, whether it's from trauma or like his own unwillingness. It's a little unclear. But after that, he just simply cannot move. He's paralyzed from the neck down, basically. But there's no visible injury, nothing that would cause paralyzation. So because Hawkeye cannot get in touch with Sidney Freeman, he kind of has to take on the role of psychiatrist himself. And it doesn't quite work well because uh, Mr. Hawkeye ain't a psychiatrist. And what he tries made me very uncomfortable. But it was kind of supposed to because... Hawkeye compares himself to Hitler after he's done. (laughs) I think that if you are doing a technique and then comparing yourself to Hitler right after, that should be an indication to everyone that uh, that is probably not the thing that you should be doing. Because, you know, obviously not to like make too terrible of a comparison like that, but um, Hawkeye was kind of getting this information from Sydney uh, that he should try this technique to kind of like almost snap the soldier out of it um which we know now in like 21st century just realness i guess uh that that's not typically how you're supposed to approach like psychologically damaged people coming at the issue with more compassion and empathy and stuff like that you know usually has like a much better effect you know i'm of course not a mental health professional i'm not saying that this like can't work but it just seems like a very outdated almost like cruel way to handle mental health issues um Mm -hmm. but then again like in the context of the show i'm sure like i said like talking about mental health issues in general was kind of new i feel so it wasn't intentional cruelty on the part of the show but i just don't think it was handled the best from today's standards yeah so it's complicated right on one hand i do understand the logic that the show presents where if you treat this man as paralyzed, he will continue to, like, fall into his own delusion. And on some level, just speaking anecdotally from, like, personal experience, I'm not speaking from, like, uh, mental health awareness or, like, anything like that. As, like, a disabled person, if you're like, oh, I'm disabled, I can't do anything. Like, if you just kind of commit yourself to wallowing in your own inability it is really hard to make effective change to yourself when you're trying to move forward if you just say that like oh i can't do this you're not going to do it so that is something that like i understand their approach with it saying you have to treat him like a soldier like a real person not this victim treat him with respect for his body almost so i understood that aspect I don't think it was handled very well, but again, I don't think the show thinks they handled it very well, because even later on, I know we'll talk about this, but like what breaks through to him is Trapper showing more compassion. Yeah, I agree with what you said, especially about almost not letting the patient really fall into that uh, mentality and kind of, I guess, in the sense of creating this false reality for him like treating him like he is paralyzed but what i mean when i say like coming at it with a bit more compassion empathy of just really you know saying yeah you're not paralyzed i know that you like feel paralyzed but you know it's not like that and just the way that hawkeye you know was so 
harsh with it mm-hmm. especially like and i have to mention i don't know if you if you caught this or not but they were literally like not giving him a bedpan and they were making him like soil that, his sheets that that's was what made me uncomfortable i was like no that oh my god i i hated that that made me feel some real pain i understood what they were trying to do But my goodness, that is not how you approach that. And that is where I think that the issue kind of came in because I I think that um, probably the audience watching at home at that point in like the early mid 70s was like, yeah, that is how you do it. That's how you get someone Mm -hmm. to snap out of it. You know what I mean? Not to say that like, you know, oh, everyone was so cruel in the 70s, but it probably just like made sense. And I think that now we understand that that's just not how you approach this issue psychologically i i don't want to say that oh like yeah everybody was cruel and stuff like that but i think it's just uh it's just a generational thing of understanding things like this more there is a real give and take with handling stuff like this obviously like my disability is not psychological like it is a physical disability (laughs) but there it's all in your head ethan (laughs) oh no what if it is um (laughs) But there is a real, like, boundaries is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is, like, if you're handling a, uh, something like this, push them forward, but don't be cruel. And mm-hmm. even Hawkeye, like, knows that he was being cruel, uh, which I, I do appreciate. And it was interesting to see him so out of character, mm-hmm. like, intentionally out of character doing this. Because normally Hawkeye is just such a sweet, empathetic man and, like, wants the best for whoever he's treating and he wants to provide them such, like, comfort. And having him put on this persona of, like, drill sergeant army guy, like, basically playing Frank in this episode was so, so different. It It was, like, really good on Alan Alda's part, like, I will admit. But it it was, uh, Cruel Hawkeye is an interesting guy. I thought that Alan Alda did a great job, like you said. It was really interesting to hear him take on that really authoritative tone and be this like regular army type that we haven't seen previously. And probably like, I don't want to say for sure, but it seems like maybe the most (laughs) regular army he gets throughout the whole series. Um. So that that was really interesting. And Alan Alda is such a great actor because he takes on that tone and his like body language changes. And then as soon as it's over, he kind of like folds in on himself a bit more when he goes over to Trapper. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that was like great acting, great directing, great writing. This episode was very well done from like a technical standpoint. Very, very good. Another one written by our our favorite duo of Mary Kay Place and uh, whoever the other one is. I apologize. Linda Bloodsworth. Yeah. Um, Linda Bloodsworth. I'm sorry. I'll actually get to that um, in a in a little while. <laughs> okay. Okay. So to kind of transition out of this part of this storyline because it will come back. Um, <laughs> did you feel as much whiplash as? I did when it went from this really intense scene with Hawkeye to Henry and Radar calling for a dog out in the middle of like rural Korea <laughs> because was... I thought that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> this was hardcore 
A, B plot. Like, <laughs> they are two different storylines in this one. Totally different <laughs> tones. Totally different, like, goals and wants. Uh, <laughs> it was really funny. And I, uh, I was really impressed seeing outside of the camp. I was like, ooh, more of Korea. That's mm-hmm. exciting. Because we haven't really <laughs> seen that. I think the only time we've left camp previously was the, uh, the Rainbow Bridge episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was not a populated area. This is our maybe our first real time seeing like a village and them mm-hmm. at interacting with the uh, locals of the area, which yeah. I, I really like that uh, Henry was like, if I shake hands with one more farmer, I'm going to be elected mayor. That was that was a good <laughs> Henry line. And I, I, I liked that. everything with this village. I thought it was very uh, funny. Wait, no, there's one thing that was like bad, but. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get to that, yeah. But I wanted to talk about how this was the first introduction of Rosie and her bar. Rosie's bar she a regular comes... character? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say regular character, um, but the, the character does come back, and Rosie's bar is mentioned on screen a lot. Like, I don't think we actually go to Rosie's bar, but Rosie's bar is mentioned so much, and the character does show up on screen again, and, like, she's mentioned off screen and stuff like that. That's great. I'm very excited for that. So yeah, so that was that was a pretty fun first introduction too. That's very exciting. I like them interacting with uh just all the locals and I like how they're like basically friendly with everybody. It was like nice to see. Yeah, I think that um, you know, I think that one of the biggest like 21st century critiques of the show before we get into the thing, I think that we both really kind of didn't like about this scene um is that there is not a lot of Asian characters in the show. It's a sh- war or it's a show about Korea, but there's not that many Koreans in it. So it is like it's pretty cool to be able to see them in interact with like the native korean people or who are supposed to be the native korean people (laughs) yeah they were not often played by koreans unfortunately but gave more world building to this episode that it Mm -hmm. felt more alive outside of the camp we're not just in a isolated area with no people around other than this army base it was really fun to just have some interaction with some different people but during all of this, uh, there is a bit where they're looking for this dog and they ask uh, someone if they've seen him and they say, oh, we think we ate that dog. And it wasn't that dog, but like Radar freaks out and it's it's just not good. I, I did not like this. It mm. does not like hold up and it's not something that people have like done for a long time in Asian countries and is it is racist. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, so you know, I looked it up because this this is a pretty big like thing that's weaponized against Asian people. You know, I have to obviously caveat I'm not Asian, like I don't want to speak for Asian people, but it's used in a way that's like, oh, look at these crazy weird people. They eat dog. And I do have to say Yes, technically, um, soups with dog meat are a dish in Korean culture. Um, the show was surprisingly not inaccurate about that. They had mentioned, you know, um, older people tend to eat dog meat. But I feel like it was just, you know, I think that like those kind of jokes are just like very much in poor taste now. Um, you know, they always were, of course, but like now we know that it's just kind of disrespectful and bad <laughs> and just mm-hmm. not nice to laugh at other cultures, including like the foods that they eat just because they aren't in the American or Western 
like mindset of things that we eat. I don't know. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the show was like, in, I don't even want to say it wasn't intentionally being like mean spirited because like it was, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just like, haha, it's so funny that Asian people eat dog. Isn't that weird? Like these like, you know, rural Koreans, they're not, you know, civilized. They eat dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, ugh, I don't yeah. know. It was, it it's was always... such a, product of its time type of thing not that it excuses it at all don't want to excuse it but yikes yes it was a a sour point in an otherwise like good episode yeah agreed let's not carry on about it too long yeah and with the whole you know (laughs) the dog kind of like being gone at this point they weren't able to know for sure if it did or didn't have rabies so that kind of led off on this track of Radar needing to then go through a series of vaccines for rabies, like a rabies treatment. And this probably was my favorite scene in the episode yeah. where he starts the uh, the rabies treatment. And this scene with him and Margaret is just so great. What did you think about this? I loved this scene with him and Margaret. It was such like whiplash between the two topics that we were just mm-hmm. talking about. But this scene with Margaret is so fantastic because Radar obviously is feeling it a little bit. He's a little bit sick from uh, vaccinations like in his stomach. Like rabies vaccines are intense. It's it's not just an easy thing that anyone can handle. And I loved Margaret so much in this moment and like really made me appreciate her as a character much more than like any other episode has and like made me fully on board the Margaret train (laughs) of she's a good person she's just with a bad guy who makes her worse like that is my view of margaret now after this one scene yeah i loved margaret in this scene so much like i said it was probably one of my favorite scenes it's probably my favorite scene of the whole episode margaret is kind of like taking care of radar after he gets the rabies vaccine he's very kind of delirious he has a fever stuff like that and she's being so compassionate and so caring and she was kind of exhibiting that too with the soldier when hawkeye was like saying oh don't change his bedpan and stuff like that you know she was saying this is wrong like you shouldn't be doing that um Mm -hmm. and then it comes back in this scene with radar and when she was reading this letter that radar got from some girl in his hometown that was just so cute and so the letter was really funny um i keep saying it but it was such a great reminder to me that you know margaret's this better character than we've seen yeah this is a good example of margaret once again being written uh, more holistically and more three-dimensionally by these two female writers who clearly have a little bit more respect for Margaret than some of the other people on like the writing staff where they're like, okay, let's make Margaret a little more interesting. Because I think it's so fun that she demonstrates kind of a maternal instinct with Radar here. Um, With this letter that she is reading to him from this girl, it's clarified that she is 17 and Radar at the moment is 18. He's younger than I thought. I thought he was like 19. But just him being like this young boy having to be like sick in bed while she comforts him was a really interesting side from her that we have not seen. Yeah, it was funny because I didn't know that uh, Linda Bloodworth and uh, Mary Kay Place wrote this episode. And I had to I paused the episode 
to look it up because I was like, there is no way that these writers did like that. It wasn't this female writing duo. There's just no way. And lo and behold, it was. And I think that I think that just like once again, it just shows how important women writers are (laughs) because it just is such a different. It's like it's a complete 180 from the Margaret that we usually see. Right. And I thought that Loretta Swift did such a good job, too. Her demeanor was completely different playing this side of Margaret. And, of course, I like to believe that this is the real side of Margaret. <laughs> I, I just loved it so much. And when she, uh, when Radar fell asleep in the middle of her, of her reading the letter, and she, in the letter, the girl said, oh, check off, like, what you look like. And Margaret just, like, like cutely, like, smugly almost checked off uh the letter for radar oh it just warmed my heart i loved it so much (laughs) yeah it was really cute um i have to give credit also to uh loretta swift's performance like you said i thought she was really good in this and plays such a different energy so well and just the way she said some lines were so different than the typical margaret delivery she was so like there for him in a way that she's never been for anybody else it was like really nice to uh to see that comparison and i agree with you i believe that deep down in margaret's like weird little heart this is who (laughs) she really is and who she really could be if she's like with the right people (laughs) agreed um i'll talk a little bit more about margaret at the end but the last part of this scene too was uh very good in my mind i guess trapper and hawkeye decided to like kind of good cop bad cop this character this soldier and trapper kind of approached him with what we were saying before like a more empathetic more compassionate kind of approach and trapper was able to get this soldier to speak about why he was in this paralysis state because he on the battlefield he saw these tanks coming and he saw them killing his fellow soldiers and he couldn't do anything he couldn't move he couldn't grab his gun he couldn't grab a grenade nothing and the soldier started to cry and it was it was a really powerful scene and i thought it was really really well done this was great and really made up for the contrast of hawkeye being so cruel and why i think that like this episode does in a way hold up with what it's trying to say because it's not like the cruelty worked it only worked once you had empathy which is much more in line with the like more modern outlook of psychological care and i i really liked a uh, trapper in the scene i thought that wayne rogers performance was really good and I liked this little bit of detail that we got that was saying, like, where Trapper's, like, from. I don't think we've known that before, that he has spent time in Boston. Anytime they bring up home life, I'm always interested. They don't just exist on this camp. And the soldier's explanation of, like, why he's psychologically paralyzed was really moving. This guest star, I thought, gave a really good performance with the material that he was given. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. So then after that, Henry is vaccinating all of Radar's little critters for rabies, and then they see 
the dog that bit radar <laughs> and there's this whole really it's a really cute uh, like very adorable chase scene around the compound of trapper and henry chasing the dog and then the dog chasing them and it's very cute um this was very fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah it turns out the dog does not have rabies radar doesn't need any more rabies vaccines and that storyline wraps up very nicely <laughs> No, just everything with them chasing the dog I thought was so fun. I, <laughs> I It felt so real to me, like the dog is just having a good time running around yes. and has no idea that he's on a TV show right now. He's just playing with his buddies. So once they get the dog and tell Radar that he's rabies-free, the other storyline also wraps up pretty quickly where the soldier comes in and he's on his feet and he is like perfectly fine and... Maybe in real life, it would not work that way where the soldier would be able to recover from that as quickly as he did. But for the sake of television pacing, I thought it was a nice way to round out the episode. And I really liked uh, Frank going, Margaret, am I wrong? And uh, Trapper just says like, oh, you're wrong most of the time. Or one of them <laughs> says that. Which I don't think Frank says that he was wrong very often. So that was fun <laughs> to see. Yeah, I really liked that. You know, the soldier recovered. And of course you knew he was going to, right? Because it's it's a sitcom. It, it all has to wrap up and have a pretty bow on it at the end. So um, I like that they attributed it to kind of like both of them. I think that it came off much less like mean-spirited when the soldier kind of realized what Hawkeye was trying to do and yeah, like might not have worked and didn't come across as great as he maybe wanted it to, but he kind of forgave Hawkeye for being cruel to him in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I liked how that wrapped up. And this is what I wanted to say about Margaret at the end too, of why this writing was so good in a, in a more subtle way than the scene previous with her. Margaret and Frank were in Henry's office because they were like, yeah, we're going to go over your head and, you know, what's new with that. But I liked that Margaret had this compassionate side of her that you see um, in the previous scene, but she's still in character in this like regular army type of way that she is, you know, I think that something is wrong here. You know, I will go over your head if I need to, to right this wrong. And then, like you said, at the end where Frank says, am I wrong? And or he says, Margaret, I was wrong. And Margaret kind of just like brushes him off and goes and she leaves with Hawkeye, Henry and Trapper and the soldier as they go to the mess tent. And her leaving with them, I felt was such like so good because she is kind of like leaving Frank behind because she's not attached to Frank in that way. And she is more in line with like Hawkeye and Trapper. And I just, I really liked that part. The symbolism. Vanessa, <laughs> I would never, you were thinking 5D chest over here. <laughs> and hey, I don't, I don't know if the writers, of course, like meant for that to happen, but I feel like that was not a typical like Margaret response, you know, to Frank. She's usually like babies him and comforts him in that way. And I just I liked that. And I don't know, you you can so see the difference in Margaret's character when these female writing duo are on the episode. And I just I love yeah. it. I can't say it's, enough good thing like enough good about it. Not to discredit the other writers with like what they do with Margaret. It's very obvious that they had different goals in mind for Margaret's character. Mm -hmm, 100%. Uh, so it's it's hard to say, like, the writing with Margaret's always bad unless it's written by a woman. That's not true. But 
when it is written by these women, there's so much more empathy for her character and so much more realization of her as a complete person and not just this two-dimensional Frank sidekick character, which we love to see. And just the the wrap-up of this episode was very nice and very clean and just made you feel all all good inside. Even my boy Radar not having to get any more crazy shots at him. You're like, (laughs) okay, good. My boy's safe. I liked the very end, too, like the pre-credit scene where they were throwing the journal or the magazines at Frank because he was like, yeah, I think that I'll read up on modern medicine. But also, the most important thing, how to build patience. Like, what a great way to wrap up the episode of just the visual of them just chucking things Uh at Frank. (laughs) You should build them 5% of their annual income. Frank, (laughs) you'll never change. (laughs) nope nope definitely not so do you have any favorite lines from this episode so when radar was talking to hawkeye about the dog that bit him he said it's just a mutt i give it stuff from the kitchen although i don't like to be cruel to animals and that was so funny to me for a very specific reason because that indicates (laughs) that radar knows that the food is bad agrees that the food is bad yet still Horks down the food so <laughs> much, so often. And I think that that is very funny. <laughs> that is very funny. Radar is a human vacuum who needs uh, his sustenance. He doesn't care where it's coming <laughs> from. Um, one of my favorite lines was early on in the episode, uh, Hawkeye was like making out with his nurse and he says, oh, you make a great lip sandwich. And then this, <laughs> cool. this nurse responds, Really? Like, so excited about it, (laughs) as if that's a normal thing to say, as if that's a romantic thing to say. Like, I get that, that that Hawkeye is like an attractive man, but if you said that to someone, you'd not be like, awesome, dude. (laughs) So weird. I I disagree with you, Ethan. I think that it's every girl's dream to want to be a good lip sandwich, so um, (laughs) you're wrong. (laughs) Perhaps I am. What do I know? I also really liked the line. It was really quick and funny. Um, but when Henry is vaccinating all of Radar's animals that he's taking care of, there is a sign that says, uh, quarantine, do not enter pet or feed. And Trapper goes, steal that sign from the nurse's tent. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good nurse joke. Um, I have one more as well. I just want to shout this out. It's not really a funny line. I just thought it was interesting. When they're in the village, Henry asks for some news and one person just responds, I think it was Rosie, actually, mm-hmm. that um, it looks like Janet Lee is marrying Tody Curtis, and that just feels like Jamie Lee Curtis foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so I missed that. Like, I... I... Not that I was not paying attention, but like I, I couldn't get what the actress was saying in that line. That is so funny. Oh my god! It was so. It made me like pause and like obviously Janet Lee and Tony Curtis are like two very famous people for their day. But now Jamie Lee Curtis is just such an icon that like <laughs> you're like, wait a second, did they know? And you're like, no, they did not know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. I love that so much. So do you have any trivia for us? I do. Okay, so I thought it was really funny when you said that you liked the performance of the guest star who played Corporal Travis because (laughs) this man is a very prolific, very good actor. Okay, so Michael O'Keefe played Corporal Travis. So O'Keefe was born in Mount Vernon, New York, and was one of seven children. Amazing. He went to NYU for undergrad and has an MFA in creative writing. One of O'Keefe's best-known roles was in the 1980 movie Caddyshack. Oh, really? Is he one of the Caddyshack boys? Yeah! He also received an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor for his role as Ben in the movie The Great Santini. Oh, I have not seen that, have not heard of that. But, I uh, haven't either, cool. but pretty awesome that this Best Supporting Actor, and it was only a couple of years after um, he was on this episode. It was in 1979, and this was in like oh. 73, 74. So yeah, so pretty cool. Getting that Oscar nomination pre-Caddyshack even. Wow, <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Other movie credits for O'Keefe include Michael Clayton, The Pledge, and The Slugger's Wife. O'Keefe starred on several well-known TV shows, including a recurring role on the original version of Roseanne, and he had a lot of guest appearances on many well-known shows, including The Waltons, Maud, The West Wing, House, Homeland, and like all the Law and Orders. And coincidentally enough, um, wow, I just came off really New Jersey there. Coincidentally, yeah, no. <laughs> coincidentally. O'Keefe did an interview on another podcast that I listened to, an SVU podcast, like a Law and Order SVU podcast, about his role on SVU and in the Law and Order franchises when he guest starred. So that was really cool. It's called That's Messed Up, if anyone wants to listen to it. <laughs> I was going to say you have to shout them out now. Yes, I love that podcast. Um, <laughs> and he was also in so many other shows, mm-hmm. just so many. O'Keefe's theater credits include Sideman, Mass Appeal, 5th of July, all on Broadway, and a role in the play version of A Few Good Men. And O'Keefe is still working today. I think that his latest show is on, I believe, HBO Max. Like this fictionalized retelling of like buying Magic Johnson for the Lakers, I think. Um, So yeah, it was pretty cool. I've definitely seen this man's like name in a lot of stuff, but obviously I did not recognize him as such a young person in this episode. He was really good. Yeah, it completely tracks that he went on to have such a prolific career and be nominated for, you know, prestigious awards and stuff like that because his performance was just so good in this episode. It completely tracks. I also have some, I guess, less lighthearted trivia that I should have probably done first so we didn't end on such like a terrible note, but I think that this is really important to talk about because in this episode, like we said, it was reflecting the kind of first discussions about mental health and PTSD and whatnot from war. So I have a little bit, I guess, just information about um, the Vietnam War veterans and PTSD. So... I got this from a study um, from the National Vietnam Veterans Readjustment Study, and the study found that the closer to the front lines and the more combat a soldier saw, the more likely they were to experience PTSD symptoms. Lifetime and partial lifetime PTSD symptoms for Vietnam War veterans included 53.4% of all male veterans and 48.1% of all female veterans. And then also the study talked about... um, or the paper that I read on this talked about the Korean War veterans and PTSD. And of the Korean War veterans who sought psychiatric care after the war, which was as high as 90% of all veterans, 80% of them had current PTSD at the time of seeking treatment. 
So this was a very real thing, you know, and I also have some resources and organizations that deal with veterans and mental health. I'll have those in the description as well to like check out that work and, you know, if ever the need be. Yes, obviously this is heavy subject matter, but mental health is really important to discuss openly. So it is good to bring it up just a little bit on this podcast. We're not (laughs) obviously getting in heavy detail, but... Uh, Thank you for bringing that today. And this was an interesting episode because it covered that, but it covered that with really early science. Like they they obviously did not have a handle on it at the time, but it is interesting and like good that they wanted to discuss mental health from war effort, even if it didn't uh, come across the best in our modern day. This isn't even the first time we've seen issues with like mental health like remember in the episode with john ritter um he was holding frank hostage again it was it was played more comedic but it was still like very much a thing of this man was suffering from like a mental health crisis and it's not the last time that we'll see it in the series and i do think it's handled a lot better later on from what i remember there was a couple of episodes So, yeah, I'm excited to see how this topic evolves. Okay, so one more thing before we go. We got to do our uh, martini ratings. So, Vanessa, what did you think of this episode? What would you rate it out of five? (laughs) Would it be glib to say five out of five? (laughs) If you're feeling five out of five, go for it, man. I think that for me, it's a five out of five. It's not one that I would necessarily show somebody as like an episode of mash that i think would encapsulate all of mash but it had basically everything i wanted in a mash episode you know like commentary about the war some funny stuff with radar and the dog it had you know a good piece of you know margaret's character i don't know i i I think for me this is a five out of five wow i'm actually going lower than you i'm feeling a four to a four point five just like we've talked about, obviously the subject of mental health is very complicated, and I don't discredit anyone working on the show at the time for trying like this, but just some aspects of how they handled this plotline did make me uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. there was that one bit with the racism, so I don't feel like this is a full 5 out of 5 from what I look for, but absolute uh respect for you for going five out of five because i i do understand where you're coming from this is a very good episode originally i was gonna say 4.5 and i would modify myself (laughs) to a 4.5 actually i can never be lower than ethan it it, it just can't happen Uh, (laughs) okay or no i'm sorry i can never be lower than ethan was that a freudian slip wow Damn, uh, you know how I really feel now, huh? <laughs> no, yeah, of course kidding. But I agree with you. You know, there was some stuff that I didn't particularly care for in this episode. I just like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to say the Margaret stuff excuses that for me, but it was just such a great thing for me. Yeah. So I would say a 4.5 is fine. <laughs> yeah, the good stuff in this is really good. And the bad stuff in this is fairly minor. So I understand where you're coming from. We've agreed that 4.5 is it. Okay. Yeah. 
So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your about covering, our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for our awesome cover art, and of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact with the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 14, Private Charles Lamb. But until then, don't pet or feed the nurses. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs>